Romans 3, verses 10 to 12 and 19 to 26. There is no one who is righteous, not even one. There is no one who has understanding. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. There is no one who shows kindness. There is not even one. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now apart from law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Beautiful. Thank you. We are in a series called Christ Form Community going through the book of Romans. Um, I'd just also would like to thank Diane for sharing your story and sharing a bit of, it's okay to cry and be vulnerable. It's all good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, and uh, fits beautifully with what we're talking about here from this passage and what I'm sharing from um, here tonight. I, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed hearing people's stories and it's, it's amazing how God just works in all of our lives in so many different ways. Um, and uh, we all have different stories and, and things that, uh, you know, we've experienced in our life. And God seems to just be there in the different uh, yeah, parts of our lives. And it's, it's cool. It's amazing. So um, let, me, let me tell you a story about Agnes. From the time she was a young girl, Agnes believed not just not just believed, she was on fire. She wanted to do great things for God. She th- said things such as she wanted to love Jesus as he had never been loved before. Agnes had an undeniable calling. She wrote in her journal that my soul at present in, is in perfect peace and joy. She experienced a union with God that was so deep and so continual that it was to her a rapture, ecstasy. She left her home and she became a missionary. She gave him everything. And after a while, however, it seemed as if God had abandoned her. At least that's how it felt to her. She started writing different words in her journal, words like, where's my faith, she asked. Deep down there is nothing but emptiness and darkness. My God, how painful this is this unknown pain. I have no faith. She struggled to pray. She still worked, still served, still smiled, but she struggled at this wall that didn't seem to move. This inner darkness continued on virtually year after year for nearly 50 years. God seemed absent. Such was the secret pain of Agnes, who is better known as Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa wrote uh, letters intended only for her spiritual directors on the torment of her soul. After her death, they were published to much surprise. 
These letters stunned people. Some prominent atheists said that Mother Teresa had lost her faith, and many said she struggled with clinical depression. But uh, spiritually, she hit a wall. And as we know today, God was still doing mighty work, and uh, she has an amazing legacy through her, but she experienced much pain and depression through a long period of time of 50 years. This well-known saint, this person that we look to and think, you know, it's amazing, Mother Teresa, uh, but someone who experienced the hardship of what it means to go through the Christian journey. And so with us in our Christian walk, we often get to a time and a point in our walk where we, we hit a wall, where things seem like they're so hard and difficult, much like what Diane faced uh, in 2016, where all these things happened at once, and she felt absent and distant from God, like God wasn't there. Where are you? So often, actually, you know, all of us probably in our Christian journey at some point will go through a moment where we hit a wall and feel like God is absent. And this is, yeah, what uh, a writer, Pete Scazzaro, he labels this the wall. Uh, there's another ancient thinker, John at the Cross, who calls this the dark night of the soul. And uh, we can think about, you know, the Christian journey and particularly um, uh, in this kind of more modern era, the, the Pentecostal church even can think of this like positive, yes, everything's amazing, everything, life is just grand and beautiful. But in reality, life is difficult and hard and we need to learn how to actually grapple with the difficulties of life and see God working in and amongst it. And so here in Romans, in Romans 3, again, we're, we're dealing with a tension in a group of house churches that Paul is writing to, a group of churches that were uh, filled with um, this tension between uh, the ethnic Jewish followers of Jesus and the Gentile followers of Jesus. The pagan kind of grew up as Greek people and didn't grow up with the Jewish practices, but still loved Jesus. And, and uh, Jesus caught their attention and they, they, yeah, they loved Jesus and follow him. But there was this tension within the church's attention to actually work together, figure out how to follow Jesus with our differences, uh, and still honour him the same. And so um, here we have in Romans 3, uh, Paul is talking about the Jewish privilege. Earlier in Romans 3, he's talking about this, this Jewish privilege and how uh, the law has at times caused the, the people of God to act for him without changing their heart whereas the way of Christ is the opposite. He calls to change our hearts first so that our actions may change. And, uh, yeah, the religious framework of, the, of that Jewish thinking was, no, you need to do the good things now and then you'll change. But Christ is actually calling us to change our hearts in order for our actions to change. Again, in, in Romans 3, verse 9, it says, What then? Are we any better off? No, not at all. For all, for we have already uh, charged that, that all, both Jews and Greeks, Greeks, are under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one who is righteous, not even one. There is no one who has understanding. There is no one who seeks God. All that have turned aside, together they have become worthless. There is no one who sh shows kindness. There is not even one. Nice and comforting. We are all on the same boat. 
we all uh, deal with this, this, uh, yeah, th- this problem of the fact that we all have sinned and fall short, that we all uh, have made mistakes, that we all um, ha- have turned aside from God. And the, the question is, how do we deal with that? How do we, like Mother Teresa, deal with these walls in life? Like Diane faced, how do we deal with this tension in our lives when things don't seem to work the way that we think they should? And so we need to learn how to deal with this. And in actual fact, uh, our Christian journey needs to have these moments for it to mature. We need these moments in our lives to actually allow God to truly transform us. If we don't have these moments, then we're actually cycling just the, the mundane, the shallow version of who Christ wants us to be. But we need to go through these moments to actually really experience the depth of God's love. And so we're going to learn about how these walls are actually a gift, which is going to be cool. So I've got a little gra- graph graph uh, of the stages of faith. Um, uh, this, is, again, is from Pete Scazzaro, uh, and he has a book and a whole series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and how uh, our emotional health uh, for our spirit is actually really important. And so we, we see here the stages of faith. First, we have the life-changing awareness of God. And that's the moment of salvation, a moment or a revelation of God that just comes alive. And we have this amazing moment where God becomes so real to us. And he, he becomes, we, yeah, he, we're aware of God in our lives. And that leads us to, to moments of discipleship, of us learning and, and digging deeper into who God has formed us to be. And then that moves us into an active life, a life of, of serving, of, of helping others, of, of being a blessing. But then often we, we hit these stages in our life where we hit a wall. And uh, if we are spiritually immature, we will get to this point and we will go, no, I don't, I want, I don't want to go deeper. I don't want to get through that wall. I'm just going to keep cycling these, these other two. I'm, I, yeah, I'm just hitting this wall, but maybe I just need to learn some more. I just need to learn and read some more and figure it all out. Or, or maybe I'll just keep serving and keep loving people and keep blessing people. And often, if we're not careful, we can just cycle stage two and three and just keep going back and forward without actually even developing any depth towards God, any, yeah, this depth of who he wants us to be. We could live our Christian journey in those two stages and get by, but God invites us deeper. He invites us deeper. And so the wall invites us into a journey inward, into a journey where we discover more of who we are and how God has called us to be. This is these moments that we feel stuck, where things don't work the way that we think they should. It's these moments like in, in the Jewish thinkers in those days that Paul is addressing, that they thought that just if they, their righteousness and their good deeds would get them, if they followed the law, then that everything would be okay. If they ticked those law boxes, then they would get, but Paul's here trying to address, no, no, that's not enough. We need to live a life of faith. We need to live a life to actually let God in and, and trust God deeply. This is what faith is, to trust him. And in order for us to trust him, we need to let him deeper into the inner parts of our lives. And so the wall is an opportunity. It is an opportunity. 
It's a gift, an invitation from God to actually go deep and actually learn more about who we are. We're not, we're not called to necessarily tear down the wall and just demolish it and just fight away. If we have more faith and more prayer, then we can get rid of this wall. Sometimes the wall is actually an opportunity, maybe a door into something deeper that God is wanting to do in us. And so we have this journey inward where God builds true character in us. He's trying to build us and our character. Because often, actually, in our culture, character, we have a big character deficit in our culture. We're chasing what seems good on the outside. We're chasing uh, what looks good, getting good, getting people's approval. We're, we're, we're chasing good things, you know, consuming stuff. We're, we're, we're chasing uh, control and wanting to get control or power over people. Or we're chasing good experiences, wanting to, you know, experience the world. And, you know, that last one particularly is is a great idol of our culture. We, we gear up our lives to, to have these amazing experiences so that we can tell all these people about it and how we traveled or, or went to this cool restaurant and we can gear up our lives around these experiences and you know there's nothing wrong with those things but when our whole trajectory in life is is going towards this and and focused on that then we don't actually deepen our character we're not actually working there's a deficit on who we are and the actual character integrity of who we are as a people and so there's this character deficit in us. And so a part of that, uh, this pursuit of the good life, we, we miss out on that, miss out on it. And, and often, even with the experiences, if something goes wrong in our experiences, you know, we can blame those things. If, you know, the travel plans get cancelled or if your car breaks down on the way to the restaurant or if a big bill comes up in stopping us to buy that latest thing, we think we're under attack. The devil's out to get us. But in reality... There's just these trials and testings that God is leading us to to get us to realize that there's something deeper in us that we're relying upon. He's wanting to, to highlight the areas in our life to help us to see that there's something deeper going on. That when we get upset about all these things that actually seem very small, that actually are, are probably small there's things that are going on. And this happens to me. I'm surprised when I, I get angry, upset about certain things. And, uh, you know, becoming more aware of this happening in me and, and going, wow, I, there's a lot of work to do still. There's in all of us where we actually, there's these things that we can get upset about that uh, can annoy us that God actually wants to take us deeper into. And in fairness, you know, sometimes, you know, I joke about that's the devil, but sometimes, you know, the enemy does want to bring trials in our life, but we, we shouldn't just see them just as that. We should see them as an opportunity for God to actually help us and go deeper in us. And so our culture is, is trying to pursue this, this good life. Uh, and often we think we're called to uh, like a perfect happiness, pain-free life. There's something about this pain-freeness that our culture is just after, wanting, seeking after. I want this pain-free life. But, but the reality is that that's just so shallow. There's no depth to it. There's no character forming in that way of thinking. And even secular psychologists uh, are, are, are queuing on to the fact that this isn't helping people. This isn't helping. In actual fact, there's, uh, yeah, there's a, a secular psychologist, Brock 
bastion. Uh, he's talking about how that we, it's necessary for us to experience happiness, to go through suffering. It's necessary for us to go through suffering to experience happiness. And in, in his, uh, one of his latest books, On the Other Side of Happiness, he concludes his introduction by saying, pain is necessary. Without it, there is no way to achieve real happiness. But ultimately, this is the way of Jesus. Jesus has been talking about this from his time. This is the way of Jesus, that we actually call to uh, pick up our cross, to pick up the very thing that, that is the tormenting factor, and to pick it up and follow Jesus. The actual thing is we actually are called into persecution, called into the hardships of life to trust Jesus in the midst of those things. This is the way of Jesus that he's been calling uh, his followers for centuries, that we're called to die to ourselves, embrace difficulties and not see them just as the enemy, but see them as a gift for God to actually take us deeper, for us to know him deeply. And so we, in particularly our Western world, we, we've missed out this. And, and in the Western church, we've missed out on this. We've missed the, the central key to dying to ourselves. We've missed this important factor of Jesus to die to ourselves. We want everything nice and, and looking beautiful, but we, Jesus also calls us to die to ourselves and to realize that he is Lord of our lives. He is Lord as we actually embrace that difficulty. And so as God continues to deal with us and journey inward into actually helping us form our identity, there's, there's moments where we, we are just still and silent before him, where he actually allows and speaks to us, speaks to our hearts, addresses these areas in us that actually are, are, are yeah, at odds with who God is. Is and then from that place he continues to journey outward. If we if we go back to that graph, 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 I don't know how to say it, graph. Um, uh, so he continues to go outward as as we have a journey inward. Then we actually can continue to journey outward and love from the inner life of who we are. We're not we're not just serving just because we're trying to to do the the right religious thing and just tick a box. But we actually want to love people and bless people and and be uh, investing into others because God has done something in us. We're able to love because He has loved us so deeply. And so there's this journey out which then continues to where we continue to be transformed by his love and this is the stages of faith that God calls us into calls us deeper into who he is now the wall we face yeah can often be these uh, this big things that happen like Diane's story these big moments often there's these moments in our life where we just feel stuck feel like we can't go on. It's often not all these little trials, and sometimes we can have so many little things that happen in our life, we feel like we're hitting this wall, we feel like we're so distant from God, but often this wall of these big moments that we feel like we can't get over, that we can't just, yeah, this is just not happening. Nothing's changing for us, and so we need to learn how to go deeper. And you know, worship music is a great way to, to have those moments to be raw. And I loved how you're like, I, I allowed myself to be angry with God. 
where we allow ourselves to have these emotions before God and really share. That's what it means to share inwardly. That's what it means to actually share our hearts, where we, we go, God, this is not okay. I feel angry with what's happening. That's what it means to actually let our hearts be molded and shaped by God to go deeper in him and not start trying to think, you know, what's wrong with me? I'm a bad Christian. I've failed. I'm a ter- That's not what we should be doing. It's, these are actually amazing opportunities. These are a gift, an opportunity to actually see God's doing something in us, a gift to see we can go deeper. And so let's just... Uh, have a look at um, some of this, this scripture again and, and uh, continue to work on how we can go deeper to journey through this wall. Again, this, this scripture in verse 21 says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the sins previously committed, It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. There's this this view that uh, we're trying to do what is right. We're trying to fix our lives, make everything seem all right, make make us feel like we're going in the right journey. This is this tension that uh, Paul is addressing, that these uh, Jewish kind of thinkers were, were thinking that if I followed the law and get everything right, then I will feel right. I'll, I'll experience the righteousness of God. But it's, he's, he's trying to argue that it's, it's our faith in Christ. It's our faith in believing that he has justified us. He has made us right. And so as we have a look at uh, the scripture and think about this wall in our lives, this difficulties that we face, I want us to see firstly to see your wall as a gift. See your wall as a gift. Verse 24, again, it says, they are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And we have been gifted these moments in our life to go deeper in him. They're not an opportunity to say there's something wrong with you, but there's opportunity and an invitation to go deeper. This doesn't mean that we just get all positive about it and just, you know, be all like, yeah, everything's going to be okay. No, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to feel the emotions. It's okay to, to bring those before God. We don't just be all kind of positivity, the positivity language. We can be raw before God. Now, uh, yeah, and, and actually, it, but at the same time, realize that this is a gift that God is leading me through. We shouldn't avoid it. We shouldn't feel like we just need to, uh, uh, this is not happening We don't need to avoid it, but we actually just keep stepping into realizing that this is a gift. And I would recommend journaling. If if you feel like you're in a moment where you're hitting a wall, where things aren't working and you feel distant from God, just journal. Write your thoughts and feelings down. Write what makes you feel angry and 
bring that to God. Get that down and acknowledge the, the real feelings and thinking that's going on in your life, but acknowledge that this is a gift at the same time and see, God, there's something that I don't understand. There's something that you're doing, and I, I want you to continue to lead me to that place. Write that down and journal that with God. See this as a gift. Secondly is to be patient and faithful. Just what you want in these times, to be patient and faithful. There is something that is so important about just the faithfulness that God invites us into. Verse 25 again says, He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance, in his patience, God had passed over the sins previously committed. And so one of the greatest attributes of God is his patience and faithfulness with us. He continues to be patient and faithful with us. Those who sin and and do wrong against him, he is continually patient with us. Just as he is patient with us, he calls us to be patient with him and trust him to be stable and know that God has a plan, to just be patient and faithful. And I I, uh, really believe that stability and faithfulness is is a great virtue that doesn't get talked about enough, that we as Christians are called to this continual stability and faithfulness. As as God leads us and guides us, he leads us into places of faithfulness. That's what we can be for this culture that you know, wants to do everything everywhere and go there and do it quickly and go over here. We as Christians are called to bring this faithfulness and stability to the, the areas of our lives and yeah, be those kind of people in this fast-paced, consumeristic, now culture. Just what we need, patience. So just patience, guys. Number three is to know you are loved. Verse 26, it says, It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. And he justifies. There's justification that is being talked about. And this justification is this, this, uh, uh, this move towards making one right, so that not out of our own ability, but by our faith in Christ, Jesus justifies us. He makes us right. Not by our righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ. And this, this made rightness is, is about being accepted, is about being welcomed and accepted by God, not by our efforts, but by him. And so his love and worth, his acceptance is based not on our good deeds, but on the righteousness, the patience, the faithfulness of God. And so we need to continue to know in these times that are difficult, to know that it's uh, he, we are loved and accepted by him. We have been justified by him, by his love, that through that difficulty, continue to acknowledge we are loved. Loved not by working it all out. Loved not by getting everything done but embracing the pain and difficulty by acknowledging despite those things, we are loved. Despite hitting the wall and feeling like I can't connect with God, we're still loved. Despite like it's not all mapping together and I can't, I feel like I don't have direction in life, we are loved. Despite it, you know, things aren't working the way that we think, we're not progressing in life like the way that we think we should, 
we are loved. Despite it all, know you are loved. And when we do, it's the most freeing thing. The most freeing thing. This is what true freedom means, that knowing that you don't have it all together and you're still loved. Knowing that you don't match up and get everything right, but you're still loved. This is what true freedom is. We don't have to be this weapon of faith, this scholar who just knows the word, but we're called to just know that we are loved in the midst of the hardship that we're going through. And then fourth thing is to journey in this together. This is what we keep bringing it back to, doing this together. And this is what a Christ-formed community is about, that we're, we're in this, doing this together. Now, one of the um, things I, I was listening to this week in a podcast uh, it was about the, the church in Iran. Uh, and the church in Iran has been, uh, yeah, going off. It's been going amazing. There's uh, been uh, so many converts in the, in the church of Iran, uh, which is, is an Islamic-controlled country uh, where pastors are being imprisoned, churches aren't allowed to run, but yet Christianity is growing. Uh, and I heard a story uh, about this, the, the church in Iran and how they're doing discipleship. How when someone comes to know Christ, they, they get them uh, with somebody else doing one-on-one discipleship. They would get them doing this community of discipleship straight away to learn and grow together. And this man was telling uh, a story. His name was David, and he was, um, he was some, someone who was discipling a new Christian. Uh, and, uh, you know, first time they met, uh, he asked them to turn to the book of John and he, he didn't know where it was. He had to, you know, look through the index, didn't quite know what the book of John was. But then three or four months later, um, into this discipleship journey, <clears throat> the, the, the new Christian was asking David, like, questions, deep questions about the book of Job and, and about Isaiah and these kind of deep questions about the Bible just three or four months in. And uh, a big part of their discipleship journey is about asking them, so who's called to spread this Christian message? And his response is, I am. This new Christian is like, this is my role. I'm called to, to be a witness to Christ in my life. And, uh, you know, within this three or, month, three or four month span of, of discipling one-on-one, uh, this new Christian was, was able to bring uh, 12 people to know Christ, 12 new people who came to know Christ through this man's story. And it was just in this moment of discipleship, one-on-one discipleship, uh, from the rawest point where you can actually grow and God gets you and he goes deeper into your life and you are able to be a witness to others. Uh, this is where we realize discipleship is not a program or not this four-step plan that you do, but it's journeying together. It's doing what we do, life together, where we integrate our walk of faith into our normal lives, into our weeks, not just on what we do here on a Sunday or at dinner church, but it's integrating during the week and actually being vested in one another in our lives and and, and journeying together to go deeper into what we are doing. And this is what we are called. It's more, more important, our discipleship call with one another, it's more important than, than the football scores, though that the football score last night was great, is more important than progressing to get a raise. It's more important that whether we do this amazing Europe trip, 
more important than all those things is this discipleship journey we're called to together. And I, I personally am continually challenged, and I, I want to challenge myself on, on how important that I think of this and see this in our lives, how invested I can be in uh, each other, how I can be invested in you guys and how you guys can be invested in, in me and how we can journey together to, to really see Christ come alive in us. We're called to journey together. And this is why we see dinner church is so important in what we do. Uh, we, for us at C3 North Perth, we, we do this dinner church once every two weeks to uh, you know, invest in one another and to be real with one another. One another. And so we're called to journey together, particularly as we come into moments where we're facing our wall and we feel like life is too hard. We need each other. We need each other in these moments to actually be vulnerable with others, to share with others what's going on and to ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. If you are feeling like you're just continually stuck, ask for help, whether it's even cooking meals or doing something. If you really feel like you can't keep doing these things and you're feeling stuck, let's ask for help and be real with one another. And, and maybe you sense someone in, around us is, is doing it tough. You sense it, that, that someone may need some help. Then, then organize a catch-up with that person. Maybe try and work through a Bible plan with that person. Work with someone to, to lean in together, to journey together as God has called us to be this Christ-formed community together. As we journey through the difficulties in life, he is forming us, going deeper with us, but he wants to do that we're in community. This is, how, this is what we're called to do in community. And so as we lean into you know, what Paul is talking about, these tensions of this church, trying to, to learn how to work together despite their differences, despite what they saw in tension, they wanted to work together and see that crisis forming them. And so we're not, we're not called to safety as a believer. We're not called to everything just working and humming just nice and smoothly. That's not the way to die to ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. We're called to maybe unease at times, but at the same time, our God is safe. The reason that we can do that is because our God is safe. He is our safety. And the place that we're called to is to realize that all these other things in life are just secondary compared to the safety and that place with God as we can journey with Him and find that rest in Him. Now, Mother Teresa, she came to realize that her darkness was the spiritual side of her, her work sharing in Christ's suffering, a treasure for her. Her unique work, this was her treasure, was her darkness. And we know that she did amazing things in India uh, with yeah, these kids, these children, uh, impacting millions of children's lives through Mother Teresa's work. Her darkness was the part of her that was her treasure to her work. And she eventually wrote, I've come to love the darkness. For I believe that it is a part, a very small part, of Jesus' darkness and pain on earth, on earth. And so we get to partner with Christ and his darkness as we journey through our wall 
our difficulty as we journey through those dark parts of our lives, we actually get to play a part, a small part, in being a part of what Jesus went through. And it will never compare. This is not about comparison. Uh, but we actually just get to play a part and go, I, I'm suffering, I'm going through this hardship, but, but Christ, this is, this is all a part of what you're doing in me and this world. And so uh, in a moment, we're going to uh, partner together with Christ um, and share in his body and blood. We're going to share in communion in a minute and um, have that moment where we come before him and thank him and, and um, yeah, be a part of what he is doing. And I love that we get to do this uh, with Father Steve. And um, Father Steve does, he gives up a lot. He's, this is his uh, fourth service something today. Well, it's amazing. And he's here. Look at him go. <laughs> uh, sharing with us. So thank you. Uh, and I love, I love this. I love this opportunity of the sacred moment that we get to share in, this sacred moment that the church has been doing for centuries, uh, this moment where you know, Jesus instructed his disciples to take communion, to remember him, to remember what he went through, to remember the extreme wall of the cro cross, uh, and going through this with, with the liturgy of, of what we do has been so refreshing for me. Uh, it's been like a, the freshness and warmth of a, the sun on a winter's day. I've love, I love, been loving going out on a winter's day and, and feeling the warmth of the sun when it's really cold inside. Um, uh, for me, the liturgy has been almost like this. It's been like, yeah, this warmth. And I've found the, the more that we've done it and partaken in this, uh, just closing my eyes and listening to the words uh, and in prayer, just hearing the power of the words being spoken through the, the liturgy that we partake in. And so maybe, um, yeah, if, you know, we've been, those been doing this for a while. Uh, maybe, yeah, in this moment, just close your eyes and listen. Let the words be like a prayer to you, prayer that warms you and, and brings life to you as we partake in this moment. Uh, yeah, and really kind of allow God to speak and minister to us, bringing that newness of life. And then after communion, the band are going to get up and we're going to sing a, another song. Um, and yeah, this is a time to continue to surrender and lay before God the, the darkness in us and allow him to, con to keep working in us, allow us to, to lay before him and just go, God, I need your help. And so as we worship after, um, yeah, let these moments uh, be refreshing and life to you as we surrender to his patience, his faithfulness, his love. And so uh, I'd love to welcome up Father Steve. Thanks.